Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of Stronger Self Radio. In these episodes, me and other influencers from around the world will help bring you inspiring and insightful content in the topics of fitness, business, lifestyle, mental health, and personal development to help ignite your passion for creating a better world and living your best life. I'm your host, Caleb Spiro, and let's find out what makes you into your most powerful, empowered, and strongest self. First of all, I think it's really cool that you're really dedicated to helping improve other people's lives, especially within nutrition and, and health industry, if you will. Um, there's so many things that need to be improved on. People need to be educated. And I think it's really cool that you you know, do a podcast and you also have your own book. So I kind of want to ask you a little bit about that. Um, let's start with the book. So what sort of inspired you to write this book? What is this book about? Sure. Et cetera. It's just something where I, you know, started making these recipes and would write them down and it kind of was becoming its own, you know, cookbook per se in my home. And then, you know, I was just thinking one day, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to write a cookbook about this. And, you know, it's been a dream of mine to have my own cookbook. I worked on it slowly because I worked a full-time job um, at the time. So I kind of, I guess you want to call it a side hustle. I did that for two years, developing and writing recipes, coming up with the nutrition facts on it getting everything, you know, checked out to make sure that all the nutrition was accurate that I was calculating out. After about two years of doing this, I had a conversation with my husband. We were talking, it was over Christmas. And he said, you know, like, well, you should just do that. You know, you need to just write that book and get that done. And it was just a passion of mine. You know, and I loved what I did. I was an operations and accounting manager for a design firm. I loved that. I love the people, but it's just something where it wasn't going to be my passion in 20 years. And I knew that. So um, we made the joint decision that um, I would leave my career at the end of February 2015. So it's been about um, three and a half years now that I've been gone. And as soon as I left my career, I went full force um, writing the first cookbook. And it's been an Amazon bestseller for two years now. And um, it's been going wonderfully. I love it. And my second book, like I said, is coming out. And I have a series of four that I'll have out. It's just it's something that I'm just very passionate about because it's able to, you know, give people, like empower them to learn one learn how to cook or reignite their passion for cooking and give them ideas for how to cook healthy food that doesn't taste like crap because a lot of people that's why they don't want to diet because they immediately think that the food is super restrictive or it's not going to you know um, have any flavor to it or anything like that so with the book came a lot of questions about what are macronutrients you know what's the difference between all these diets and what's this and so a good friend of mine she is a registered dietitian and a certified diabetes educator we decided to start a podcast about it. It's called Food in Session. It's a nutrition podcast. It's just fun little, maybe about 45 minute episodes. And we um, talk, you know, just like friends do. And then we get into the meat and potatoes of it, of um, discussing, you know, what's plaguing our society as far as like obesity, um, diabetes, you know, things on, you know, about diets, about working out, nutrition supplements. I mean, you name it, we covered on this. We've had the podcast for about two and a half years now. We're top ranked health podcast on iTunes. And we just, we love it. It's something where, you know, we don't do sponsorships or anything like that. It's just us on the mic. We turned one of our spare bedrooms into a studio at our home and we just get up there and go with it. So it's so much fun. It's really cool to be able to see like, you know, that you're actually impacting people. Like we have a blast doing it, but to be able to see that people are really enjoying it and learning from it and succeeding from it is like the biggest payoff we could ever want. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for all of that. And, and that's really helpful. I wanted to go back to your book for a second. So 
besides obviously the the content of the book is well designed, it's helpful for people, et cetera. In terms of like, I guess, marketing and finding the right editor, like how was there anything that you did specifically that helped it get uh, gain a lot of popularity, or was it sort of like just organic growth once you put it out there? It was a lot, a lot of work. It's one of those things where you say, "Oh, I'm going to write a book," and you think it's just literally writing recipes, getting pictures taken, and you give it to somebody, and then it's a finished book. And it was, it took me about a year and a half from the time I was ready to get the book published to when it actually came out because it was just such a bigger process than I expected with it being a cookbook. You know, there's a lot of um, that goes into it as far as, um, you know, the pictures, the nutrition, you know, the little excerpts of information and things like that. So um, with the book, I had started building my brand. Like I said, um, it's been about five and a half years. So I started out at Fit Home and Health and I started making just these recipes um, on social media and I would post them which helped to start building a following. And then um, I did a lot of when Snapchat was still, you know, the hot uh, social media platform, I would do these things called daily snaptorials. And my snaptorials were like tutorials on Snapchat of how to cook. And I would help like share different recipes or I do like little tips and tricks around the house. Um, just basically giving a lot of, you know, content, a lot of value to um, any of my supporters or followers or whatever you want to call them um, to my supporters. And, you know, that they, they were able to resonate with me because they're like, yeah, we we're busy. We want quick, healthy meals through that. You know, it was organic. And then it did, you know, start, I did have to, you know, I did market the book. I did press releases. I have some companies, you know, locally here that sell my book as well in their stores. And then um, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So, you know, your publisher helps you, um, you know, get in with them. And as far as finding the right publisher, um, you know, I had to find a publisher, an editor, a designer, a photographer. There's a lot of components to it. And really what I did is just kind of go back to do your homework. You know, you go through books. I would go to Barnes and Noble and look through the books that I liked the look of and see who the publisher was, where it was at, you know, like, you know, and see when the book was published to see their current, like what their current style is and their prints and things like that. So it was really just a lot of research to find someone that I liked. And then uh, I went to a couple of different companies that I liked, got some quotes, uh, met with the people to make sure it was a good, um, you know, blend with our partnership for this project and found one that I love. And they're um, working on my second book as we speak. That's so cool. That's so cool. And it's, <laughs> you know, and I know, I know that we, you know, it would take like 60 podcasts to actually go into the depths of like, yeah. you know, every little thing <laughs> that you did, but, but I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to relay, you know, the picture that it's not a simple, which I appreciate. It's not like, like you said, we just take a bunch of photos and then slop it together and, you know, right. we dust our and hands off and, and we're good to go. <laughs> right. And I mean, I wish it was that easy, but it's so funny because I mean, I definitely learned, like, it's almost laughable how much I learned the first time because I actually had to go back and almost completely rewrite the first book three times because I would have it all in, um, you know, a Google, you know, document. Well, then it's got to be on this word, you know what I mean? So it's a lot of copy and pasting and transferring. And then I'd have to like tweak things and rewrite things. And, you know, and I didn't know that, you know, you had to write out tablespoon or teaspoon when I usually use capital T or little T and just a lot of little tweaks and stuff. So, so it was a lot of back and forth, a very long uh, process. And I'm, I'm glad it's over. I'm not going to lie because, but now I learned so much. The second book <laughs> is going to be way easier. <laughs> Yeah, and you are, and you have so much credibility. Um, do you think? Do you think um, by the time you released the book, did you already have somewhat of a social media following? Um, I had. I think at the time that the book came out, I had about maybe 
17 to 20,000 followers on Instagram, I think. And I had about I think 10,000 on my Facebook. So it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a nice number, but it wasn't where, you know, what my numbers yeah. are now. So that was probably helpful in terms of just original marketing, I imagine, because I imagine that, you know, that could at least help get it past the basic other cookbooks that were there. And then maybe you think like that was helpful having a social media oh, yeah. following, or did you also have to invest did, I mean, did you even invest in other forms of marketing or was it just through social media? It was just my social media. I did not invest in any other. I didn't spend any other wow. money on mar marketing. Um, and the reason my social media was where it was at, because you have to remember, you know, for let's see, 2006. So for four years, or I'm sorry, three years before that, I was on social media providing free content with nothing to yeah. sell people. So it was something where my recipes were getting shared around Facebook. They were getting shared on Instagram. People would tag me whenever they would post it, um, that they liked my recipe, that they made it. So my my following, you know, and it grows organically, you know, each day it will grow. But it's something where I put in three years of work knowing I had yeah. nothing to sell these people. I was not trying to get a dime from them. I was just trying to provide them with, a you know, something that they would find value in and would help them. And so when it came time that I had this product, you know, this book for sale, those people knew that I was, I could, they could trust me with my recipes that they like them. They know that, that, you know, they taste good. They're easy. They are not expensive. You can find all the ingredients in one spot and they, you know, they're healthy and they're going to lose weight if they eat them, you know? So it's something where I built that base up so that I was, I was trusted to them, you know, they, and that's the thing is like, it's all about your reputation. That's why people, you can't ever take that for granted with people. Yeah, no. And I think that that's a really beautiful example of how I just want to help people. And then that passion eventually sparked the idea of writing a book. And then you, you know, you saw opportunity and, you know, you didn't have to really pay anything, you know, to advertise it. That sounds really nice. But then I also appreciate that you said that, you know, this takes was years of hard work. So, you know, if, if right. I was working for free, so, so it makes sense, exactly. yeah. um, but that's cool. Yeah, Cause if you wouldn't have put in that back work and yes, I would have had to pay, have more marketing dollars out to get my name out there and things like that. But it is, it's just, it's, you're able to be much more organic and authentic by doing it, like doing your, doing your pre-work, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. And would you also accredit that, 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 in a, so the book, as well as just, um, you know, going on social media, did you, was that the same method that was also applied to kind of get your podcast and obviously amazing content as well? Um, to also get your podcast like highly ranked and widely respected and liked? Yes, most definitely. Because people that had followed me for all these years, they, you know, would own the cookbook or they had the cookbook or they just, you know, the more followers that you gain. And then um, I had announced that we were starting our podcast and I was able to just, you know, advertise it on there. So I didn't have to spend any marketing dollars on that as well. It's just all organic because the thing is that, you know, you know this, if you, enjoy a product that you're consuming, whether it be audio, uh, visual, you know, something actually like tangible product like the book. If you're enjoying something, you're going to tell someone about it. You're going to tell your friends how much you like this podcast or how much you like this book. So it's all based on word of mouth. And that's the strongest type of marketing and advertising that you can have because people trust their friends. What I think is really cool is that uh, in your book and, and just in general, your social media content, you're really working hard to sort of reframe healthy food. Cause I, I find that, you know, just so many people suffer with a very negative relationship with food. And I know from personal experience that having a really negative relationship with food is also highly correlated with, in some aspects, having negative viewpoint of, of yourself as well, right? Because our food is highly integrated with 
how we look and, and how we feel about ourselves. And part of that struggle is with building a healthy relationship with food. You know, having a podcast and, and writing a book and, and from your own personal experiences, just being a, a, an expert about this. If someone finds themselves in a position where they feel like that they're not having a healthy relationship with food, where do you think a good place to start is in terms of getting help uh, or through self-education, et cetera? If every single person has a relationship with food in some way, you know what I mean? We eat when we're sad, we eat when we're stressed, we eat when we're tired, happy, everything. So if you find that you're in the negative side of that, um, you know, it's something where you need to assess, like, what are your trigger points? And it could be something as simple and as old school as a food diary, you know, write down your mood that day, write down, track your food, and then assess it from there. Because if you know what your trigger points are, you can start building out from that. If you eat because you are stressed, what stresses you out? How can you help eliminate that stress? It's all, you know, you got to do your homework on that. It's just like anything else. If you're driving a car and, you know, you're low on gas, like obviously you need to stop and get gas, but okay, why are you low on gas? Did you mismanage your time? What happened to you to run, you know, to run out of gas at that time? You know, you need to kind of like work backwards in your day to figure out what those stressors are and then try to alleviate those, find those trigger points and go from there. If you do feel like you have a serious um, relationship with food that's not healthy, it is very, very good to go talk to um, a registered dietitian and, you know, speak with them about that because they can also really help that as well. Because sometimes, it's not necessarily an unhealthy relationship with food. It's what you're eating that's causing the unhealthy relationship with food. Mm. People, you know, they get overweight because they're eating too much. Well, that's because the quality of the food they're eating. If they're eating just McDonald's, that's processing through their body way too fast. That's spiking their insulin levels. You know, they're not getting a, a um, more of a slow climb in their um, blood sugar. And then they get yeah. tired. So they feel like they're tired. So they want to eat more carbs. They eat that. It turns into sugar and gets into fat. And then they gain weight. So it's something where, yeah. you know, it's also, you know, it's food choices. You know, you need to think about the quality of the food that you put in, not just food that you put in. You need to put nutrition in your body, not plain food. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And I think from a clinical perspective, like from a helping person perspective, if you will, or just from a perspective of yourself and kind of just looking inward, I often find that nutrition and fitness and et cetera is so highly linked with our mental health. Um, and yet it's very, it's not, I guess it's not surprising to me that we don't talk about it because I know mental health is something that is very stigmatized, but it's very interesting to me because yeah. So in America, like obesity, I mean, just in, in other countries as well, it's like, a, it's an epidemic. A lot of America is very unhealthy and it's very surprising to me that one thing that's not talked about as much is how much mental health really plays a role into that. So for example, it's like the cycle that poor mental health may lead to overeating or not eating healthy and then not eating healthy then leads to, you know, worse outcomes of mental health. And it's it's sort of this cycle. And an interesting question that I've been trying to ask myself is, is how do you really help break that cycle? Is it through fitness? Like what, you know, what is the type of right intervention? And the answer gets kind of complicated because, you know, everyone's, everyone's story is different. Everyone's struggles are different. But I do think that it is important to understand that it's not just like a willpower thing for people who, you know, are overweight or underweight or something like that. It's very complicated. And I think that's something that I wish was talked about more. You know, it's just, well, it's the same thing, um, whether it's a diet or a career or a relationship or anything, people think they've been one way so long that that's just who they are. They feel like that's 
that's who they find themselves by that. They feel like that there isn't a way out of it. And that's what they're used to. And that's what they're comfortable with. You know, it's something where I actually just had this conversation with someone the other day speaking of, you know, do you feel, do you feel like people get to a certain age and then they feel like, okay, that's my life or does their mind stop growing? And that's when they get to that point, you know, is it your physical or your mental? And I actually made an Instagram post about that as well. Um, and you know, the result we kind of, you know, came to is it's really just your own mindset and what you believe to be true. And, this, you know, with dieting, that's the hardest thing is people feel that they are predispositioned to, you know, being overweight because their mom was, or their dad was, or, you know, they have all these things happen, but, the, but when these people start sticking to their diets and reaching some goals, they realize that that was a limiting belief that they had, that they were just, you know, had to basically deal with a weight issue all their life. When the reality of it is they never gave it a consistent approach yeah. and a realistic approach to make a difference because any diet you do, there's a million diets out there now. We all see them. There's tons of fad diets. There's just, you know, the main staple diets. The only diet that's going to work is the one you're consistent with. And that's it. You know, if you don't like meat, cheese, and healthy fats, don't do keto. You know, that's the way it is. Like, yeah. I don't do it. I like carbs too much. You know, it's like, so I do a macros type of diet. But the limiting belief is like, you know, back to what your question, just to come full circle on that. It's that people feel like where they're at is where they belong instead of where they want to be. They just yeah. basically, sur they surrender. They play dead to the diet gods, I guess you could say. <laughs> because we build this relationship with food and it's very intertwined with our own relationship of ourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that sometimes when we have a negative relationship with food, it, it can also impede uh, our self-image and also our, our ability to really think like, can I make changes? Can I actually do this? Right. Well, and you know, like they always say, um, you know, it's a very uh, cliche term, but you know, the hardest pill to swallow is honesty. And you have to swallow that pill before you, you know, start dieting to get real with yourself. Like you might say that you've tried everything. You've been trying to lose weight. You've been trying to do this, but have you really, like, what have you really done? And what have you done consistently to make that change? You know, and I personally, yes, I do. There are people that are genetically, um, you know, disposition. They do have some issues. But a lot of it is that people, you know, they just, they give up on themselves when they shouldn't. And when they start making, you know, being consistent and gaining some momentum, they're like, wait, I can't believe I ever thought that this was just a genetic thing. And it's so yeah. cool to see that as crazy as it is, like, cause you're, you know, it's, you know, you know that they have it in them, but to see them make that switch and that light go off in their head, like, yeah. wait, this isn't the way my life has to be. It's going to be so much better. And to see them physically grow, but dude, the mental growth of that is insane. Like the confidence they have now, and they're like, they decide that they can make those bigger changes in their lives because they finally yeah. have that confidence, you know? Yeah. And I like what you said earlier because about extremes and how I, I feel like a lot of times people think they need to make such an extreme deviation away from their current eating when in reality, potentially learning about macros or just mm -hmm. even even not coming from that standpoint, even just learning about small changes that they can make, that can make a huge difference in terms of getting towards your goals. And I think what you said earlier, I totally agree that like at the end of the day, like if you enjoy something for them, I mean, not to say that there aren't sacrifices, there's always going to be sacrifices, but if you can enjoy it right. for the most part, then that's what can make it sustainable. And if it's sustainable, then it leads to consistency. And that's what's most important. But I think it's always hard because it's how do you find enjoyment in something that is so drastically different and is so potentially restrictive and, and limiting. And one of the things that I really like and I respect that you do in your life is that you're really focused on how on breaking that sort of uh, restrictive cycle for people and find a approach 
even if it may not work for everyone, there's definitely people that your, you know, your cookbooks and your podcasts and all the, and your Instagram posts that it'll help them in that process of trying to make diet, not something that they have to fear, but something that can really be part of your life. Um, and something, I don't even want to say diet. It's like, like way of eating. Well, even and, diet is yeah. in that word. That's yeah. People, I think that's what it is. It's like, it's a danger four letter word for these people. But the thing is, yeah. is that a diet is defined by just what you eat in a day where I could be on a quote diet and eat nothing but Pepsi and Twinkies a day. And that's still going to be considered a quote diet, you know? So it's making, you know, healthier yeah. choices, you know, what, what food you choose to fuel you. Yeah, I agree. And I think what, I think I'm going to quote you on this. Cause uh, you said this, you said the foods we choose to feed, not not only our bodies, but every facet of our being. I think that's really cool. Oh, and then you said, yet yeah, clean eating can feel so daunting, which I think highlights what we yeah. were talking about here. Um, right. And when, in, in a recent Instagram post that you said, uh, and I'm going to quote you again because I really like this, just kind of switching topics. Um, you said, quote, we are never promised tomorrow. All we are promised is the now, never, never the tomorrow. So I guess what is sort of the significance of like that quote and its meaning in, in your own life? I, well, cause I feel like, um, you know, something that when I was, let's say I'm 36 now, but you know, let's say, you know, 20 years or not 20 years when I was 20. Um, it's something where I just always banked on the next day. You know, it's something where I thought like, oh, I'll just do this tomorrow and I can just do this today and not worry about that. Like I always kept putting off what I really wanted or what my goals were or what, you know, to push myself because I just felt like, you know, I just, I always counted on having tomorrow, but the thing is that, you know, as I got older and some, you know, life things happen where, you know, you lose friends and, you know, car accidents or, you know, like, you know, people in your family pass yeah. away because of illnesses and stuff. And some illnesses could have been prevented that they, you know, paid attention to their health, things like that. And the old, I think it just comes with, you know, getting older and wiser, I guess, if you want to say it, where you just realize like, wait, things can be gone in like an instant. And the true, you know, happiness in your life, I feel like it's not like one, some destination point. It's how you spend your days doing that. You know, like I have very happy days because I'm doing what I love. I get to, you know, impact people. I get to educate people. I get to play with my dogs, you know, and hang out with my husband. Like we just have a, you know, a good time. Thing is that so many people I think get wrapped up in, okay, well I'll do this tomorrow and then, then I'll finally be happy or I'll do this then and I'll finally be happy. But the thing is happiness comes in the day to day as well. And people overlook that because they count on tomorrow instead of just today. Mm, I really love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thanks. Um, what does it mean to pursue a stronger self? That's, I mean, I think that's an easy question. It's, it's pushing yourself. It's doing what you don't think you could do because we've all been in those situations through life of everything. You know, we never knew how to walk until we tried. you know, we never knew how to ride a bike until we tried. you know, and a stronger self is not only just pushing yourself to do the things that you thought were unattainable or unreachable for you, but stronger self is, you know, everything through every physical action, a mental action comes back tenfold. You know, every action you take to build a stronger self through your movement, through your, um, you know, daily life, through your routines, you're building that mental strength and capacity for your life, um, to allow yourself to be a stronger person mentally, as well as physically and fully able. Yeah. I love that answer. Well, it's, you know, I think sometimes <laughs> the easiest answers are the ones that are just so intuitive to us. So it sounds like that that's yeah. something that is a guiding principle to your life. So I think that's really cool. So I guess where can people follow you on social media? Uh, I think you've, you've already talked about your books, but if you want to link them again so that people know again, uh, so basically yeah, where sure. can people follow you and see what all the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Frisella. Same on Facebook. You can also follow Fit Home and Health on Facebook. Uh, my cookbooks are available on my website, fithomeandhealth.com. 
also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's so cool. It's so cool to be able to say that. It's like <laughs> such a bucket list thing to <laughs> say. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and I hope you have a good day. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Stronger Self Radio. If you liked what you heard, please give this podcast a good review as doing this will help get it out to more people and help grow this movement as a whole. If you want to find out more information, go to thestrongerselfmovement.com to find out how you can get involved today. Join the movement. Together, we can pursue a stronger self.